Hi, everybody. And hi, Oreo. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to The Way We're Dragons. Uh, we're your hosts, Johnny. And I'm Kelsey. Um, so today, Kelsey's got a little bit of a wayward treat for us. Uh, yeah. Which kind of, parts of it will kind of lead us into a little bit of our next episode. Uh, yeah! But yeah. Before we get into all that fun stuff, Kelsey, how have you been doing? I've been okay. They're changing a lot of things at my main job, which I am not thrilled about. Um, but yeah, I was like, it's my first birthday without my grandma coming up. So I'm feeling a little weird. Because, like, my grandparents sing happy birthday to me every year. Right? Every year. It's like the highlight of my birthday was my grandparents singing happy birthday to me on the phone. Because I hate being the center of attention like the restaurant, you know, when they sing happy birthday and shit. Black That's not true, that. guys. Kelsey loves being the center of attention. <laughs> there is no one that, like, loves being, like, that is more, hey, guys, look at me. I am spectacular. Than- <laughs> I crawl. I crawl back into myself. Right? I hate that. But I loved when my grandparents would call me on the phone and sing it to me. Well, I don't have my grandma to sing happy birthday to me. So I'm hoping that um, I can get my memorial tattoo for her either on my birthday or the next day. I got to figure that out because our families, my fiance and my family are meeting at a cookout like I'm, we're having like a mother's day kelsey's 30 y'all need to meet cookout on mother's day so yeah but like yeah i hate my job um <laughs> yeah. fun stuff that's about it my mom and my brother are about to leave for a cruise so where are they going i don't know it's just uh, I have no- around the caribbean yeah so um my brother was in doctoral school for um, musical performance, I think. Mm-hmm. Is it a musical performance? It yeah, it's musical performance. Um, but he formally withdrew at about December. Um, but my mom and my brother had paid for this trip because that was like his graduation gift was the two of them are going to go on this cruise. And I was like, that's fine because I don't want to be confined on a boat with the two of you. So go. Um, so even though he's formally withdrawn from the program, he and my mom are still going. Gotcha. So, yeah. Yeah. They're going on that trip. She's going to have a great time. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's all I got going on. What about you? Um, well today I've been, you know, for all of our listeners, we generally record at about 1 PM and I've, <laughs> Yeah. Been working since uh, 8 a.m. doing some housework, uh, trying to deal with some annoyances. I'm about, let's say I've got the <laughs> easy part done, um, cleaning things out of the garage. So I've got everything out of the garage now. It's just a matter of putting things back again. into the garage. Uh, so, and as everyone knows, that's the difficult part because in reorganization and figuring out if you're keeping stuff or tossing it out and 
<sighs> but and a lot of it's not yours, so you don't most, know. Most of it's not mine. Uh, yeah. So, and a lot of it, my mom, I love her, but she is extremely sentimental and likes to keep like every little thing. And so she's got like cooking utensils and stuff that were my grandmother's. And I'm like, you going to use these? Do they need to go to the kitchen? No, no, they're fine down here. They're fine. I'm like, what, 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 huh? Then use them. I'm like, if you're going to have them, either use them or donate them or something. Um, we do have, I'd say probably a good, 10 bags of bedding and clothing that I've convinced her to donate. So, you know, that's, that's going to be something out of there, but yeah, so been dealing with that, uh, been trying to manifest some stuff in personal life, uh, and that I'm not really going to bring up because, you know, I don't want to call back the magic after I put it out there, but yeah. You know, if any of our listeners want to send any positive vibes for manifestation my way, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's really it. Uh, working a lot. Yeah, because we, we are actually recording the day before May Day slash Belting. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I actually made some really good speaking of, and I'll give you the recipe and you can, <laughs> or I'll post the recipe on because you wouldn't enjoy this, but some of our listeners may enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll post it on the uh, our page, but I made some spiked uh, lemonade, like lavender lemonade. Okay. Uh, so I'll post that on the on our Facebook page, or I can give it to you, and you can type yeah. it up, make it look all pretty, and post it around wherever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm the one that runs all the social media. unless you occasionally see something with like me posting it and then it yeah i'll put my name behind it yeah uh yeah because i'm i'm not a technolo technologically inclined person no you're not uh neither am i but you are more so than i am which is funny because nine times out of ten at work because we don't have an in-house it person and it's difficult to get a hold of our it people I'm generally the one that gets stuck with dealing with IT issues. And I'm like, guys, I like hit it with a hammer. I don't know. Take it. So, <laughs> so at my, uh, speaking of hitting technology with a hammer, right? We have at my second job, obviously we count the tills the next morning, right? And I love Pat. I love Pat. Pat's a great man, right? However, this coin counter that this man has, I swear he buys this just to piss all of us off, right? And he always says the reason why it fucks up is it's user error, right? It's a user error. Well, of course. So, That's like, Monday. always messes up. Monday, right? Amy, who I work with her husband at my first job, but I'm at my second job with her. And I swear she's about to take this coin counter out and hit it with a hammer. So I made an office space reference. I go, do you want to take it out to the field all back and hit it with hammer? Over her head. Well, so <laughs> to be fair, I actually probably about six months ago just watched that movie for the first time. Oh, it's such a good movie. It is really good. <laughs> and I really want to buy a red stapler just because of that movie. Excuse me. 
Doing it simply. I've watched uh, the movie with my mom countless times. Ah, uh, Milton. Uh, that's a great movie. That's such yeah, a great movie. It really is. They don't. They don't really make a lot of comedy movies anymore. Like they do, but they're just. They're not the same. They're not the same. No. Of course, no, we're sound, starting to sound like a bunch of old fogies now. <laughs> Back in my day. Seriously, I, I'll make references to the kids at Rita's. I'll make references all the time. None of them get it, and I'm like, oh my god. Even my department head at my other job, he is five years younger than me, right? Five. Uh, Still doesn't get some of them. And I'm like. Uh, well, I've learned that like certain people even around our age are just so freaking like they were raised so shut in and sheltered that they don't they don't get any references. No. So. Like I, I bought a Rugrat sweatshirt, right? That's got Reptar on it. Does no one know what this means? No. No one. No. It's a great sweatshirt. It's got Reptar on the front. Ironically. Okay. Ironically. Uh, I. So I watched that show as a kid. Mainly because my older brother watched it. And so I would watch it with him when we were at my grandma's. I was never really overly a fan. Even though. And don't, don't shun me for this. I just I wasn't a Nicktoons I wasn't a Nicktoons kid. Uh, I wasn't overly a fan, even though the creator was a huge Doctor Who nerd, mm -hmm. like a huge Doctor Who, uh, you know, Whovian Doctor Who fan. Uh, yep. Most of the references in there are references to sci-fi stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Tommy yep. is based off the Doctor, and mm -hmm. then each one of the other kids. Uh, well, Angelica's based off of his arch nemesis, the master, and then the other kids are all based off of different companions that he had. Uh, I mean, even mm -hmm. even his dog is based off K9, which is a robot dog Yep. from the series. So, I mean, that's why he has a screwdriver is because it's a sonic yeah. screwdriver. Um, so, like, the whole, <laughs> the whole thing was just, like, a massive, like, pop culture reference to nerdy shit mm -hmm. that I love. And, yep. you know, just... I could probably go back now and enjoy it. Oh yeah, and, but I at the you time I just you don't get it. Well, no, it's not that. I, well, I mean, well, yeah, I didn't really get it, but I don't know. I just you know, I, like when you're a kid, you have that obstinate opinion about like one thing's better than the other, and mm -hmm. you know, oh, I can't watch this simply because of the fact that it's on Nickelodeon. I can't watch Nickelodeon stuff yeah. because I prefer Cartoon Network. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, I watched both. Like, my grandma didn't care what we watched on either one. Just that one or the other. Like, so I watched, like, Ed, Ed, and Eddie and all that stuff. Oh, see, I, I did not like Ed, Ed, and Eddie. I didn't like, ah, they were okay. Courage the Cowardly Dog is fucking no, creepy. Courage. Courage is my That shit. was a good show. Courage is my like, shit. I watched that, but I don't like Spongebob. See, like, I <gasps> loathe Spongebob. And that's not even, like, that's not even the... Nickelodeon thing like I even to this I, day oh. can't stand Spongebob and it's funny because I I call my fiance Patrick Star because <laughs> like when we first got together like there were tons of places he had never gone and I'm like what did you do live under a rock like Patrick Star so like god forbid I ever get in an accident and they have to call him because he's saved as Patrick Star in my phone 
God, God help me. So, so, I so the, the transverse of that. So I could not stand that, but I loved Rocco's Modern Life. Okay. And right. Rocco's Modern Life was done by the same people who did SpongeBob. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's that's chock full of adult jokes that went oh, completely yeah. in my head as a child. Oh, I yeah. Mean, he's literally a sex phone operator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like that all. Oh, and then you have Cat Dog. That was a good show, I, too. I didn't like Cat Dog. That's okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they got freaking cartoons now. Oh, God. I don't, I don't think the cartoons now are any worse than a lot of the cartoons that were then. I mean, you can, there are so many direct comparisons you can have from like Cat Dog to something out now or like random. Oh, Snoopy. yeah. I mean, you have, you have good cartoons and bad cartoons through each, but, you know, and, that, and that's the thing with kids' shows is that, or, you know, there's always stuff hidden in there and, you know, there's always different references. Uh, for example, show that's out now that's new or i think it started in 2019 amazing show owl house which is a disney show um it's about this little it's about this girl who's a social outcast her name is loose and because of a series of events she ends up in a magical world and learns how to be a witch from the owl lady and uh oh disney disney had some like Disney gets a lot of hate for it from parents because oh it's witchcraft which I mean anything that's witchcraft related people freak out about because they're dumb but yeah it's an LGBT friendly show yeah there are openly LGBT characters in it yeah and it's one of the things I love about it is that they're not like they don't like flag it in your face like yes this is a gay character it's uh this is a character who just happens to be gay. You know, yeah. they're, they're not, there's no opposition that's like, you know, you can't be gay, blah, blah, blah. And it's, there's no struggle. It's just an, an accepted thing where, hey, these people are gay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I will say, like minor side note, that's one thing. Having a brother that's a part of that community <laughs> and meeting a lot of people that are gay through my work that's a really big turnoff as a person in general mm-hmm. when you let that be the only thing that defines you well and that's that's literally it's not just with being lgbt thing that's like that's everything anything if your entire identity is based off of like that one thing you know hey i'm a gamer hey i and this is yeah. someone who games or, you know, hey, it's like, that's great. You're a fan of this. You're into this. But when your entire identity falls into one category, yeah. that, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, it's like, okay, hey, you're kind of a one dimensional person. And that goes mm-hmm. for literally anything from yeah. nerdy stuff to sports to creepy stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Even the books. Yeah. Speaking of books. Yeah. Hey, Kelsey, <laughs> what you been reading? <laughs> I almost caught up to you. Almost. So, um, I got, I take turns of like whether I physically read something or like I listen to something. Um, almost so, caught um, up to me as far as the, the number of books I've read this week. Okay. So, I actually finished Lust Killer by Anne Rule. Um, I thought reading her books were amazing, but having someone read it as an audiobook. Even better. Who do they have as the uh, narrator on it? 
because to mm-hmm. I have found with audiobooks, narrators matter. Yes. Yes. Um, let me pull it up here. Um, but basically it follows the less killer that was out in Oregon. Um he was in like the late sixties and seventies, kind of the prime serial killer time. But you kinda she kinda talks through um kind of how he came to be Carly Balil Balil Balal Carly it's narrated by Carly Bulil B E A U L I E U um I'm going to go with narr- Balal yeah I don't know <laughs> but she does a fantastic job she does a really good job um but basically, it follows his story of, like, how he progressed as a kid of, like, you know, he, um, he basically falls in love with women in high heels. He gets sexually attracted to, like, that image in general. Um, at nine, he's put in a mental facility. Um, and when he's released, it kind of, like, progresses from there. He starts stealing women's underwear. And it's funny because they keep calling they keep calling them brassiers and girdles, which I find fucking hilarious in this book. Um, so you can kind of see what time it was kind of written. But he starts stealing those things. Um, specific women's shoes. If he's walking and sees a woman in a certain type of high heel, he will steal her shoes. Um, then it progresses to him wearing these items while he steals them and then it progresses to him killing women so she documents his timeline and stuff so it's it's rather interesting i liked reading her one book that i've already read and then picked up an audio because i had a couple audible credits um i'm also physically reading the devil in the white city those who don't know that's the story of hh holmes um, getting kind of peeved because it's how the book is written. It follows the timeline of the World's Fair at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, then a lot of things, a lot of time, like when I've seen it in like shows and stuff, they do the same thing. So I think he was around around this World yeah. Fair, right? Yeah. So as he was killing people, they're setting up the World's Fair. However, the book is right now. I'm about halfway through it. It's a little bit more concentrated on what's happening at the physical fair than what he's doing. I don't know if that's just because of source material. They got a little bit more source material for the fair versus him. Not sure. That's it's kind of interesting, like how the Ferris wheel comes about and stuff like that. Because that was our one up to the Eiffel Tower was the Ferris wheel. <laughs> I was like, that's kind of cool. Let's tell my fiance about that. I was like, this book might be irritating me because all I'm learning is about the World's Fair in Chicago at the time. However, kind of cool to see how the, the Ferris wheel comes about because now that's at every fair ever. Um, and it almost didn't happen, which was even cooler. Um, have they mentioned have... America's beer yet? No. no. So that's where PBR came from. Yep. There was, was a the World Fair. Yeah, Paps was the guy who made it, and he won the Blue Ribbon at the World Fair that year. That's why it's called Paps Blue Ribbon. That's America's beer. (laughs) (laughs) 
And then before we started, so um, I love Paul Holes. I think Paul Holes is an amazing human being, right? Those who don't know, Paul Holes is the criminalist behind who caught the Golden State Killer, Joseph D'Angelo. Um, I think he has a weirdly an amazing voice. He's he does a podcast called Murder Squad. Um, him and Billy Jensen talk about cold cases. They reamp cold cases that need to be solved and stuff. And he kind of goes through it as a criminalist um, and stuff. And Billy Jensen's a reporter. Um, but Paul Holes came out with a new book. It was released on the 26th called Unmasked. I'm almost done with it. I have an hour left. And it is amazing. I love that he narrates his own book. Um, but those who don't know, Paul Holes helped Michelle McNamara, who wrote I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Um, that book is amazing, too. Um, but he kind of helps her write it up until her death. Because um, those who don't know, Michelle McNamara was um, Patton Oswalt's late wife. Um, she passed away before the Golden State Killer was caught. Um, but Billy Jensen um, and Paul Holes and a couple of the other guys kind of help finish her book. Um, and there's a very great letter that Patton um, puts at the end of that book that will probably make you cry. Um, I love part Patton that Oswald. He's an amazing He's an man. amazing human being. And the letter he writes at the end of the book is very awesome. Um, because his wife basically did an accidental overdose um, and passed away before she could finish her book. So, but um, the part that I was in before we started this is the end of his chapter about Michelle and how like they became kind of confidants and stuff. But Paul talks about how he came to be as a criminalist. Um, he talks about how his marriage, what happened there, his first marriage, dealing with all that in his second marriage and then all the cold cases and cases in between and stuff that kind of helped him build to catch the golden state killer so gotcha. i've got an hour left i'll probably finish that once we get done doing this because it is amazing it came out the 26th unmasked by paul holes he's amazing he has an amazing instagram too because it's like that dad instagram who doesn't understand how to take pictures and stuff it's great <laughs> it's like weird selfies with like his forehead missing it's great <laughs> so yeah what did you read i was like i almost caught up to you yeah so, so i read three books <laughs> um, so first one was bound by okay. benedict jacka the second one is marked by benedict jacka so they are the eighth and ninth book in the uh Alex Veers series. Uh, so I've got two more until I've completed the whole series, which is, I've kind of been reading them off and on. Took a break for a little while. Uh, a Sometimes little, you need to do that. A little sad that I'm so close to the end, but amazing, amazing series. Uh, so it's an urban fantasy series mm -hmm. that takes, it predominantly takes place in the UK, uh, mainly London. They do go outside of London for a bit in certain parts. Um, but uh, Alex Veers is... So there are different types of beings that are like wizards or sorcerers. Um, 
casters, adepts, sensitives, uh, stuff like that, magical creatures in this world, and uh, you know, different ones have different skill sets. Um, you can be like, you know, basically, if you have a skill or if you're a uh, a wizard of a type or a you know, caster of a type, you have like you mainly doing like divination magic or like uh explosions or stuff like that because that's like just your brain is focused or like your skills are focused on that one and it's a natural thing and it's not something you can like hey i'm good at this but i'm gonna go and learn this it's this is what you do so this is what you have to do um so he kind of gets because of previous uh, interactions with different people and because of his history uh, and being around a dark mage because there's dark mages and there's light mages and then there's like neutral parties um the because they're light mages doesn't necessarily mean they're good guys yeah um but they have a light mage yeah. council uh that basically tries to enforce everything the dark mages are all pretty fucked up too and uh oh the dark mages are horrible the dark mages are horrible the dark mages keep slaves they you know will take it and uh so basically think of it this way dark mages are the negative uh idea that people have for people who practice any sort of magical arts yeah so they have slaves they you know do debaucherous things uh experimentation stuff like that and then the light are basically your like a lot of them delve into like what people think like the conspiracies with the government with like <laughs> you know they do stuff but they do it for the good of all people and yeah. reality most of them are just doing it for whatever is good for them so virus yeah. has tried you know he was taken in when he was younger by a dark mage and has kind of tried to move past that uh and has kind of made his own way as a diviner because that's his magic specialty um so what he can do is you know he can see so far into the future based off of actions so yeah. it's if he like tries to break into somewhere he can be like well if i go this way okay this was what would happen so if i go this way okay this is what would happen so he can step through multiple different possibilities of like a reality strange type thing kind of kind of but so he steps through multiple different um possibilities to see what would happen with each outcome the issue is is because people are irrational and unpredictable you can't always guarantee what they'll do yep so he sees like he sees possible futures and then base his decision based off the probability of what could happen. Doctor so Strange. he's, I think, yeah. Well, so this, yeah. Anyways, a uh, <laughs> little bit, a little bit, but not exactly yeah. because Doctor Strange can do other stuff. Uh, yeah. But so, yeah, he's gets thrown into this and he has like one of his best friends is actually uh, Arachnia. Like, kind of like the one from greek mythology okay and she actually makes clothes for him okay yeah she's actually a weaver and makes like she makes him armor that 
basically it's like regular clothing. Okay. Uh, That's cool. But so he's trying to keep the peace and stop his stop the dark mages from taking over, but also not allowing the light mages from being total dicks and taking away everyone's faculties. Uh, yeah. So Jim Butcher, who wrote uh, the Dresden books. Yeah, Dresden Files. Okay, so he actually gave a review on the Alex Fierce books. And he said that Harry Dresden would mm-hmm. love to be able to hang out with Alex Fierce, that he would get along great with Alex Fierce. Uh, yeah, Jim Butcher was very much, is very much impressed with the books, and I can tell you I freaking love them. Nice. Um, again, sad that I'm almost done with them since I only have two left. I, yeah. But, yeah. uh, I think most of my reading over the next few weeks is going to be for our next two episodes. Uh, yeah, which we'll get into at the end of this one. Yeah, we'll get in a lot of that. The other book, <laughs> the other book's actually for partially for our next episode uh, a little bit, but it was also something I've had on my reading list. Um, but Spirit Allies by Christopher Penzak, which talks about you know talking to our friends or allies on the other side. Yeah, and uh, you know our ancestors, those who went before us, uh, those who you know we may have been incarnated with in past lives uh but mm-hmm. also spirit allies as far as like the spirits of nature and plants and uh nice. stuff like that That's like i said we'll be getting into that a little bit more in the next episode the next one. But... yeah so now that we've got all the fun stuff out of the way yeah and all our chit chat uh <laughs> yeah we talked a lot during this one so far yeah well I try to keep it to a half hour. I don't like it when um one of the reasons why I stopped listening to My Favorite Murder is they would literally chit chat for an hour. And that's one of the reasons why I'm like when we first started this, I was like, we're only talking about books or like podcasts or stuff. We're not really gonna talk about our personal lives. We like to remain as anonymous as humanly possible. Um but and kind of stay out of politics. Cause my favorite murder, they'll go on for like an hour. So I try to keep this to half hour for us. I feel like anything longer than that, you kind of lose focus of what's happening. Yeah. But yeah, today's so... going to be kind of introvert. It's going to be interesting, minorly controversial um, because of the people involved in this. Um, but we'll get to that when we get to that point. But we are going to talk about Annabelle the Haunted Doll. So I figure when everyone thinks of haunted dolls, they think of Robert the doll that's in Florida. I'm sorry, but I will never cover him. Um, not happening. So, and it's not something that like a lot of people cover. Um, I just find that doll kind of creepy looking. And well, I mean, he's the whole story behind him is creepy. I mean, he's supposed yeah. to be creepy Ooh. looking, but yeah, yeah. Well, and like if you take his picture without his consent, he gets really mad and like, I'm good. I'm good. Y'all can keep him in Florida. He does. There is a museum in Key West, I think, that you could visit Robert the doll. So if you ever want to do that, go for that. Um, that's not my cup of tea. Is that doll? That doll looks fucking creepy. Um, but yeah, for today we're gonna talk about Annabelle. Um, so yeah, Annabelle the doll. 
So those who don't know, who are not into scary movies, Annabelle is the focus of the Conjuring movies. Um, A lot of the Conjuring movies are based around the doll. However, the Annabelle that you see in the movie is not what the real Annabelle looks like. It's not. That's not what she looks like. Um, And we'll get into that further into this. Isn't she a Raggedy Ann doll? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, the real Annabelle is a huge Raggedy Ann doll, and we'll get into kind of what that means. Um, but in the movies, she's portrayed as a porcelain doll. So, yeah, she doesn't look like that in, in real life. Um, because you can't see the Raggedy Ann doll anymore. Um, but we are going to get some minor basics out of the way. Um Pediophobia. It is that is the fear of dolls. Um, it is under the broader broader term of antiomotronophobia, which is the fear of humanoid creatures. Automotronophobia. Yeah. So that's like the main umbrella, and then the pediophobia is under that because like there's also the fear of puppets and stuff that's also under that. Um. But, yeah, so this fear didn't really come out until the 19th, 18th, 19th century um, when dolls helped cement the social norms that we have today. So, like, little girls would learn how to sew so they could make outfits for their dolls. Um, They would recreate, like, social things like tea parties, birthday parties, and even funerals, which I thought was a little weird. Um... But like I said, this phobia started to come out in the 18th, 19th century when dolls started to become more lifelike. Um, Because when you look at dolls from the past, they just look like a doll. You know? It it looks like a toy. Um, Around 18th, 19th, you start to see them become look like real life babies with like their porcelain face and like their baby features. And, and yep, and there's an article by the Smithsonian that they go into how the word creepy comes into place when it's described dolls. It basically came out to describe dolls. The Smithsonian article kind of talks about that, which I thought was kind of cool. Huh. Um, but they started to become lifelike because they wanted to help protect the innocence of young children. While they grew up into an adult. It was a way of protecting them. I'm also kind of interested if there's a way to kind of connect dolls becoming more lifelike. And the whole Victorian death thing that kind of happens. With like death jewelry and all that stuff. So I wonder if there's a little bit more of a connection there. Because he kind of goes into um, women using... There's I forget what the dolls are called but they are fucking creepy looking the ones that like coo and shit that are like super lifelike and even like their skin feels like real skin um i don't know i do know that cabbage patch babies are freaking nightmare fuel (laughs) uh yeah so (gasps) i never had dolls growing up like random random side quest (laughs) random side quest so i live about and grew up about 30 to 45 minutes from Babyland General. 
Babyland General is where the Cabbage Patch Babies were originally produced, and mm -hmm. they have a whole freaking museum thing there that you mm -hmm. can go through. Um, yeah. We went when I was a kid. Oh, no. It is a vague memory I have. And oh, no. I... I had nightmares. I, I literally had nightmares because going through this place and they like literally have like a cabbage field and part of it with little baby heads coming out of it. And like the lighting and everything made it look That's way, creepy. way creepier because they had like, like a lot of it was like darker and then they had like yeah. special lights to emphasize that like, guess I get the theatership of it. Yeah. And like, so everyone is in like doctor's uniforms and because it's where babies come from is the cabbage patch and blah, 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 blah. No, this place was fucking terrifying. <laughs> of course, my older sister got a Cabbage Patch baby, and <laughs> uh, yeah. So I never had dolls growing up. Like I had a five hole that I slept with, and those who don't know, that's a little mouse. It was huge though; like he was like half my size. Did he ever but, go like, less? My... <laughs> that was a great movie. <laughs> those the, the american tell movies are spot on they're great movies um but like my brother took my barbies as a kid like and popped their heads off and like dressed them up that's like the number one question that's like yeah, people how did you know your brother was gay he took all my barbies that's how but whatever um the the Masonian speaking of like museum with dolls the in part of the article from the Masonian, they had they talk about it they have an exhibit of dolls and in order to get out of the museum, you have to go through the exhibit of dolls of the porcelain lifelike ones. Fuck no. And they're like, Fuck no. they nope. can't, they're like so many adults turn around and go back out the museum in which they came and will not go through that room. On behalf Even of every single one of those adults. <laughs> fuck that shit. <laughs> And they're like, some kids won't even, but nine times out of ten, the kid will go through the exhibit, and the adult will go back out the way they came. Uh, Which I found kind of interesting. I do like, oh, I thought if you die. Yeah. And it's because it's, it's a lifelike thing to us in humanoid figures. Well, like, dolls, they're creepy. They're creepy. And, uh, you know, they have... Uh... The uncanny valley effect is where it kind of goes into, which is uh, our uncomfortableness with things that are human-like, but are not human. And yep. uh, as we can go into a little <laughs> bit of that into a later episode, but there is yeah. a whole thing and a whole ideology there. Yeah. That's why I was like, we're not going to get like too into that because I knew that we were going to cover it. Like, yeah. Later on, we hit like voodoo dolls and all that weirdness further down. Um, but yeah, once dolls start to become lifelike, that's when you start seeing stories about dolls being possessed. I couldn't figure out, like, find a specific, like, first story of a doll being possessed type thing. Um, but because there's like a story from Japan at like 1918, there's Robert the doll. Um, there's a couple other stories that are, like, famous, but I can't really, like, pinpoint of, like, okay, this was, like, the first documented haunted doll. So, it also could be that I 
did this like three hours before we were supposed to do this and didn't really look hard enough. Um, there is a there is a couple books on this about Annabelle the doll. If you go on Amazon and try to do not purchase the true story of Annabelle by some random dude, do not buy that. That's a waste of your money. I fell for that. Don't do that. I returned it. It was. <laughs> I almost sent you a picture of it. It was so aggravating. It was like one word, couple spaces, four words together, a letter. It, it was so aggravating. What? I returned it. Yeah. It was so. <laughs> it was so mad. I've never returned a book in my life. I returned that book. Um. But there is one book. It is called The Demonologist by Ed and Lorraine Warren. I am going to say this now. I am on the wait list to read this book. So when I get to read this book, I will let y'all know what I think. We'll get into Ed and Lorraine Warren in a minute because I got some things to say about them. But we'll get into that later. Um, but what is Annabelle exactly? She is a supposed haunted Raggedy Ann doll. She is currently housed in the closed paranormal slash occult museum that was once owned by Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, it is currently run by their daughter and her husband. Um, and the only way to get into the museum now is they have like a dinner slash convention that happens and you have to be invited to get in. Um, but there are pictures out on the internet of the doll in her little case. So um, if anyone knows anyone who uh, has hookups, <laughs> hey, <laughs> a hook up because for many many reasons i would love to pay this place a visit yeah yeah because yeah that's why i was like we're gonna get into some controversial things when we get the end of lorraine warren but we'll get there when we get there um what is actually a raggedy ann doll um she's a character that was created by the american writer johnny gruley um she appears in a a book series for children. She's described as a rag doll with red yarn for hair and a triangle for a nose. Um, the doll was first created in 1915. It, however, was not released to the public until 1918 with the release of the book series. She does have other characters like her brother and like a couple of other characters Raggedy that Andy. in the series. Yep. Yep. So there's a lot of other characters my, besides so my her. So my grandma had multiple of those books and actually had like. I don't know if they were from the original set, but she had a couple of the dolls that she, you know, kept put up. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'd say, fairly familiar with Raggedy Ann. Yeah, Raggedy Ann. <laughs> it's like, I never read them. That's not something that I read as a kid. At least I don't remember it being read to me. But yeah, she's based, she was made as like a character. They made the character into a doll type thing for book sales. Um. But now we're going to get into who exactly are Ed and Lorraine Warren. If you're new to the paranormal and occult, welcome. If you if you don't know who they are, I'm kind of suspicious of you. I, I got to find you a picture for you uh, <laughs> for you to post with uh, the Warrens and with uh, Cheech and Chunk. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know how everybody feels about Lorraine, Ed and Lorraine Warren. I mean, I I have a hard time believing a lot of what they did, um, but I digress. 
so they were because they both are now deceased ed passed in like 2008 or 9 and lorraine passed not too long ago within the last like five years um but they were american paranormal investigators and they were also authors they authored a lot of books um ed was a self-taught and self-professed demonologist author and lecturer um, Lorraine professed to be a clairvoyant in a light trance medium. I didn't understand that. So I, I tried to find out what light trance medium meant. I'm just assuming that she doesn't go into like a full meditative state type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also worked alongside her husband. Um, they founded the New England Society of Psychic Research. Um, which is one of the oldest ghost hunting groups in New England. For those who do not know what New England is, it's the 13 original colonies. So, like, think Maine down to West Virginia, Virginia. Um, They have claimed to have investigated well over 10,000 cases in their career. Um, They were among the first people to investigate the Amityville Horror, which later gets turned into a movie. Um... But some of their other most notable cases, because they're mainly known for their Amityville horror, um, the Piron family, which was a Rhode Island family that they claimed was haunted by a 19th century ghost of a witch. Um, the witch, infield. Witch. I don't know. I can find out the name. <laughs> <laughs> um, the infield poltergeist, which was the inspiration for The Conjuring 2. Um, Arnie Johnson. Um, he killed his landlord and they claimed that he was possessed by the devil. Um, the book Devil in Connecticut by Gerard Brittle is based on this case. Um, it's kind of like a true crime case. Um, the Sinker family, uh, they lived in a former funeral home that they claimed was now possessed um, with an infestation of demons. The Haunting in Connecticut is very loosely based on Lorraine's counts of this case investigation that they did. Um, and then the Smurrell family in 1980, the 1986 books called The Haunted is based on their story. Um, now, this is what I am going to say. This is all the information that I am going to give about Ed and Lorraine Warren. And this is one of the reasons. They are very controversial people, especially after their death. It has come out that a lot of the stuff that they investigated on didn't actually happen. Um, It's come to light that everything that they talked about in the Amityville Horror was completely false. So, that's all I'm going to say. Because, like, people have investigated their museum and basically said that none of this stuff is haunted. Like, you, you can explain away a lot of other stuff. I don't know if that's skepticism speaking, um, but that's all I'm really going to say about them. If you really want to read about them and figure out and read their cases, you can. Um, I really want to say there's a p- podcast episode by Criminal um, where she talks about this woman's true story about being Ed, Lorraine, Ed and Lorraine Warren's sex slave. So you can take whatever you want to read, but I would take what I'm about to say about the Annabelle doll with a grain of salt because all we have is their account of what happened. The people that are actually truly involved with the story never actually come forward with what actually happened. And I, so. I'll I'll say this. <laughs> sex slave comment isn't a king slave. So I can't, no. Oh, excuse me. 
isn't a kink shame if you if that's your kink and the other person's fine with it and everything's consensual with everyone involved yeah go for it uh this yeah this, this was not was like, consensual no no this, this was, was not this was definitely against the other person's uh, based yeah. off of of what has been stated this mm-hmm. was against the other person's free will yeah so that's why like I'm only going to give basic information about Ed and Lorraine Warren. If you want to go, you can find numerous news articles, books, and stuff like that about them. Um, A lot of stuff came out after Ed died. um, And then even more stuff happened um, after Lorraine died. There's a couple, there's a couple podcast episodes I've listened to where like this one family, um, they were called in, but then they exploited their story um, and stuff like that. And it was hard for them to move and find jobs and stuff. And then the whole Amityville horror thing about everyone finding out that none of that stuff actually happened in that house. Like, it, yeah. So. Yeah. So that that's all I'm going to say. Like... Like, Lorraine shows up on um, an Amy show, uh, Paranormal State and stuff. Like, you can take whatever you want with a grain of salt, but that's all I'm going to say about them. They're super controversial right now. They've been sued more than once for defamation. Um, So, that's all I'm going to say. But we're going to get to Annabelle and what they say actually happened. So, take what I say with a grain of salt. This is what Lorraine, Lorraine and Ed have put out people actually involved have never comported with it actually happened, which I find a little interesting. So, story of Annabelle. My phone will open up. Um, so, the doll was purchased as a birthday gift for a nursing student named Donna. Um, her mother got it from a Hobby Lobby. Fucking love Hobby Lobby. Side note. Um, in 1970 and gave it to Donna for her 28th birthday. Um, it is most likely that the doll was in fact new as the dress that the doll has on does not predate 1970. So keep that little nugget in the back of your mind. Um, Donna shared an apartment with another woman named Angie, and later on she shares it with Angie's fiance named Lou. Um, they would come home quite often to the doll being in different positions than the one that they left it in. Um, it would appear in rooms when the door was shut. That was quite often. They would find the, the doll behind a shut door. Um, they would find the doll with her arms or legs crossed, it kneeling. Um, and the weirdest part was that Anytime the girls got the doll to kneel, it would fall over. So that was a little weird. Um, They would also come home to messages from the doll. Um, The messages would be written in like childlike handwriting on parchment paper, like the baking parchment paper in pencil, which I thought was a little weird. Um, And they would say things like help us or help Lou, which was Angie's fiance. Um, the part that freaked the girls out was that they didn't own parchment paper. (laughs) They're like, there's no parchment paper in the apartment. So where's this doll getting this 
this parchment paper from. Um, they came home one time to finding a red substance on the doll's hand in a couple spots on its chest. Um, they do not know where the substance came from or if the substance was blood. Um, but after this, Donna contacts a medium. Um, the medium then holds a seance in the apartment, and this is where they learn that the girl, the doll is inhabited by a little girl named Annabelle. Um, in some accounts, you get her last name as Higgins, but that's not a resource I found, so we're just going to call it her Annabelle. Um, according to the medium, she was a seven-year-old little girl who used to play in the field that the apartment complex now stood on. Um, unfortunately, the little girl was also found dead in the same field. Um, however, if you go to the museum by the Warrens, they say that it was a six-year-old little girl and the little girl died in an automobile accident in front of the apartment complex. So, not real sure. Um, but anyway, they take sympathy with the little girl spirit and they want to like nurture it and kind of help her kind of maybe cross to the other side or understand what's going on um but this little girl has other ideas um it becomes very apparent that this little girl spirit does not like lou angie's fiance um one night lou woke up and couldn't move and this this paragraph of what i'm about to say would freak me the fuck out um he looked he woke up and couldn't move so he looked at the end of the bed and the doll was by his feet the doll then glided up his legs onto his chest and then proceeded to start strangling him, in which he blacked out and woke up the next morning, thought it was a dream. Second incident, which is even more creepier. Um, Angie and Lou were preparing maps, because this is the time before MapQuest and Google Maps, for Lou's trip the next day. And... They started hearing rustling from Donna's bedroom. Her door was shut, right? So they opened the, they went for the rustling to stop. They opened the door. And depending on what account you read, determine it, how they find the doll is different. And one, they find the doll in the corner. And one, they find the doll on the floor with her face down. The other one, they find her in a bed with her face down. Either way, when Lou kind of feels that something's watching him, so he turns around and then he gets seven scratches across his chest. Like he doubles over in pain. He sees blood. There's seven scratches across his chest. That's creepy. Whether it's true or not. Don't care. Um, but the weirdest part is, is the scratches proceed to heal in about two days. So. Take Take it with whatever. Um, so it basically comes apparent to Donna that this little girl isn't acting innocent. Like, she's not very nice. So she reaches out to an Episcopalian church um, to Father Hegan, who then contacts Father Cook, who then contacts the Warrens. Um... The Warrens then insist that Father Cook perform an exorcism on the apartment and then bless Donna, Angie, and Lou. Um, at Donna's request, the Warrens then take the doll with them and they go home. Um, the uh, Warrens are convinced that the doll 
was not possessed by a little girl, but that of a demon. Um, they are convinced that the teleportation, the messages, and the scratches, which they refer to the mark of the beast, um, were all signs of a demonic possession. And I see this in a lot of cases, because um, like I watched the show Ghost Adventures, I'm not saying the Zach Bagel Bites and everything that they do is real. I'm just saying that like they take the scratches that appear on their people as signs. So I see that a lot. But so do you want me to get into now or later of why this is total bullshit? Well, let's get to the end. Let's okay. get to the end. Because okay. I have a couple more instances, and then we'll talk about whether this is bullshit or real. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, uh, yeah. Because, like, I got, a, I got a lot of vibes that this wasn't, this wasn't, that's why I said that you kind of have to take their account into a grain of salt. You got to take it with a grain of salt, because I get vibes that a lot of this shit's made up. But, whatever. So, um... But they take this doll, they take it home. Um, on the way back home, Lorraine would later go on to say that they thought the doll was trying to kill them by making their brakes either fail or stall out, which almost caused many crashes. Um, when Ed covered the doll in some holy water, the issues with the brakes stopped. Um, when they got the doll home, they would have issues with it moving. They would like lock the doll up outside on like a outbuilding type thing. Um, and then they would find her back in the main house again. Um, but after this happens a few times, um, this is when they build a special glass and wood case that you now see pictures of Annabelle in. Um, the case is inscribed with the Lord's Prayer and the Prayer of St. Michael. Um, and this is what creeps me out even more. Um, Ed, every year, and this is what the son-in-law now does, um... Uh, Ed would perform a binding ritual every year to make sure that the demon and slash spirit would stay in the box. Um, but they have claimed that the soul of the doll, little demon thing, um, would get out of the box from time to time. And it tended to be people that like mocked it. Um, there's a, the most famous that they claim is a young couple that came into the museum and the young man started to challenge the doll saying that you know like you're not real give me what you got type thing um he was like tapping on the glass and like just basically taunting it um three hours later this couple would be involved in a motorcycle crash that involved a tree um and the girlfriend is the only person to survive and she had to spend a year in the hospital um a priest also visited the museum and started to kind of challenge annabelle basically saying that he didn't think the demon was real um, he would later go on to say that on his way home before he crashed, he would see Aunt, he saw Annabelle in the back seat in his rearview mirror. But that's basically all I could find about the story of Annabelle. That, and it's all dictated by the Warrens. So, because it it has come to light that a lot of stuff that the Warrens have been a part of didn't happen. So you can take what they've put out of with a grain of salt. I have a hard time believing everything that happened. So 
where do I start? <laughs> it's like, as I was doing this research, I just kind of kept shaking my head because it's like, I'll give you, I'll give you a moving doll. I'll give you a moving doll. I'll give you that one. That's fucking creepy as hell. But like, so, like everything else, possessions are extremely rare. Yeah. And we'll get into this more next episode. Possessions yeah. are extremely rare. Yeah. Um, even with it being some sort of maleficent being, if it were. Yeah. They're still extremely rare. Even then, they would have to be invited in. Yeah. You you don't just uh you know magically have you know I've got my D twenty lamp here. I'm not gonna wake up one day and oh this is floating around because it's possessed by a demon. Yeah. No, that's that doesn't happen. That's why I have a hard time believing this. And I'm so, not saying not a, like I'm not saying that none of this happened. This might be a little exaggerated. So, possessions of objects, or hauntings of objects, or things along that nature, are possible. Yeah, totally. But, typically, that is what that is from, and this is from a physics standpoint. Mm-hmm. Energy ties in a little bit with physics, and ties in a little bit with uh some of our correspondence laws or some of our laws of magic. So, yeah. uh, you know, the, uh, I can't think of which principle it is now. Uh, one second. <laughs> that picture you sent was funny. Sorry. I just looked at it. <laughs> That's a good one. That's definitely getting uploaded. I mean, it's Chita Chong. Um, <clears throat> but so one of our principles of magic, you know, if two thing, if something is, you know, touched to something, or if something connects with something, then you know, there's energy exchange. Yeah. And so with correspondence, you can take it, and you can. It's how puppets work, or how voodoo dolls work. Where something that belongs to someone or is a part of someone, you're feeding energy into it, which relates it. So if, you know, you could potentially have the energy of an individual pass into an object. Yeah. Or an energy of a place be related to an object or pass into a logic. You cannot have a spirit of an entity or whether it be... Uh, you know, angelic, or whether it be demonic, or whether it be, you know, some sort of nature spirit, or anything from any of any plane of existence, latch on to an object like that, unless they have direct contact with the object. That's not how yeah. it works. You can have things that vibrate at certain frequencies that could attune to those forces. But you don't you don't magically have, you know, that tie-in out of nowhere. You know, yeah. you don't miraculously have that link. 
that's not what how it works. That's not what happens. Yeah. You're you're looking at different forces from you know different wavelengths that you know while they can attach to have a possession like some sort of demonic possession or you know angelic possession or anything like that when they're rare yeah because they they do rarely happen two it would have to be an existing force that would allow that in so you would have to have like a person or some sort of you know being that is has the ability to welcome that in or yeah. you know is susceptible to that sort of things uh it's yeah i could go on on this but yeah, two, that's why like if you yeah as i said we'll we'll go on that more in the next episode uh two you know you <laughs> just lost my train of thought sorry uh So one, you would have to let that in, let that happen from an individual standpoint. Yes. Uh, I don't remember what the other point I was going to make. <laughs> I saw it leave my face. That's why I started laughing. Because I saw it leave. It's total. I'm like, <laughs> where'd it go? But it's total and utter bullshit. Like, you, you know, if you have yeah. like, spirits or something or you know you could have a creature attached to a land uh yeah you know the spirit of the land you could have that you can't have just a random demon attached to you know something like that you could take it and you know theoretically have call forth a being from another realm or their energetic force to somewhere and then uh with enough power and thought behind it theoretically you could trap their energy or a portion of their energy to a land uh so if and so i'll i'll say this if there was a slim chance now i remember what i was going to say a while ago uh but if there was a slim (laughs) chance that this was some sort of demonic thing then someone would have had to have put it there. Yeah. And it wouldn't have just been like a, oh, I'm going to walk by and, you know, do, 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 wave my fingers. And now there's a demon possessing this doll. Yeah. That's not how that works. That's not how that works. Uh, (laughs) So the other thing is, is that with any sort of possession like that, or any sort of presence with, and this is any sort of hauntings or anything like that, where you have like, you know, a demon that comes into a house or, you know, that you someone accidentally summons something. They cannot stay on the plane that they are not primed to without attention. They yeah. can't do it without energy. Yep. So feeding them the energy and acknowledging them continuously is what holds would hold a creature like that or a being like that to that realm. Yeah. And so, you know, you could have an imprint of that thought form or an imprint of, you know, 
that what could have been at some point and you're feeding that energy to it. And like I said, we'll get into that a little bit more in the next episode. But yeah, from my years of study and, you know, based off of research that I've done myself, research that other people have done that I've read, um, this is all utter bullshit. Yeah. Utter, yeah. utter bullshit. Because, like, like, okay, the divot box. Do you know what the divot box is? Ah, uh, does not ring a bell. Okay. So, during the Holocaust, these two women, it's either one or two Jewish women, made a box. Like a jewelry box. And it is inhabited by a creature within their religion. Um, Zach Bagans is the current holder, current owner of the divot box, right? And anyone who touches the divot box, bad stuff happens to you. Anyone who opens it, bad stuff happens to you. But these women put into thought this magical, horrible magical being because they were Jews during the Holocaust. Well, and so that's like residual energy that's left there, and you know, yeah. Like um, Post Malone. So those who don't know, Post Malone and um, Zach Bagans are actually good friends, um, which is weird. I only know Post <laughs> Malone via memes. I know. <laughs> I could not tell you anything that he has done, and I have no clue who the other person was that you just named. Zach um, Bagans, he's the host of um, Ghost Adventures. He also has another haunted museum out in Vegas. Um, But, like, they did a show, and Post Malone touches the divot box, right? And a whole bunch of shit happens to him. His house gets broken into, his plane crashes, a whole bunch of shit happens. Now... Is that what happened to his face? No. That's called alcohol and too much money. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Whatever. If you oh, want to get honey, face tattoos, <laughs> I just fell on a crayon box. Um, if you want face tattoos, that's all for you, boo boo. Whatever. However, no, I'm getting one on my collarbone for my fiance when we get married, and that's as far as it's going. Um, and at least if you're getting face tattoos, get them done professionally and get them done to where they look good. Yeah. Like, um, so there's a comedian. His name is, um, Shane Smith or something like that. He's a huge geek. He's super funny, right? (laughs) This is how much I love this comedian. And I, I want to go see him so badly. But he has the tattoo, like, right here near one of his, like, sides of his face, like where your sideburn would be. It's the sword that's reborn in Lord of the Rings. He gets it, like, the broken version. It's tattooed on his face. (laughs) He also has a skit about he makes his dude believe that he's a prison of Azkabar. It's a great skit. He's super funny. He's super nerdy. But, like, all of his tattoos on his face are quite tasteful. I just like that one. That one's just fucking funny. But if you're going to get face tattoos, be mildly tasteful. 
but uh, yeah, but yeah, that's what like. But back to our point, I don't. I have a really hard time believing this story because it's only I, dictated by it's a one one person narrative. We don't actually hear what happens from the people involved, and now that they're gone, um, it's coming out that a lot of the stuff that the Warrens are claiming that happened. We're finding out that didn't happen, and it's more of a publicity publicity thing. So, take their account with a grain of salt. I have a really hard time believing this. Because, like, so one of my favorite authors, Gail Martin, she does a series where this girl runs an antique shop, right? And a lot of the things that she runs into because she's a medium that senses energy with objects. The energy connected to objects. And a lot of the objects that she runs into that are kind of the basis for her books are Victorian morning jewelry. So there's like hair involved. There's part of this being, this person in this jewelry. So yeah, of course, that makes sense for some of their energy to be attached because it's part of them. Is in this jewelry, right? right? That makes sense to me. Cool. A random raggedy Ann doll you know, from 1970. Uh, so, to reference uh, a movie, you know, How High. <laughs> we're going heavy on the stoner stuff today, apparently. I am Woo! not a stoner, by the way. I'm That's just, me. you know, <laughs> this, stuff, this stuff keeps coming up for some reason. Uh, but uh, How High, it's a movie where basically uh, there's two black dudes and uh, one of the black dudes just had a friend that died. His friend got cremated, so he used uh, his ashes in with uh, the dirt when he grew his weed plants. And so they were going to go take... So have you never seen this movie? No! <laughs> no. Oh, so no. this was... So my brother was a stoner, so I got exposed to all sorts of fun stoner stuff uh, without actually no. being a stoner. Uh, no, my so dad this, made me he... listen to my dad made me listen to Cheech and Chong, their comedy. Yeah. So, so this that. is this is gold. So this is gold. So these <laughs> these two dudes, uh, or so this dude takes it. He uses the uh, ashes in the fertilizer mm-hmm. yeah. or in the soil to grow his yeah. weed plants. Makes sense. And then he picks the weed. He goes to take. Because uh, I think it's his grandma, I believe. It's been a while since I've seen the movie, but she's constantly hounding him about going back to school, doing better. So he goes and takes like SATs or something like that. Well, he's, yeah. while he's sitting in the parking lot, this other dude comes up, and uh, you know the main dude, he like goes to roll him a joint and can't find any papers. Well, the other guy's taking it and trying to roll him a joint, and uh, the wind blows, and his little bit of weed he had went everywhere. So he's just like, "Damn it." He looks over and he's like, "Hey man, got a got rap?" And you know the guy with the weed that was made from his friend's ashes, and yeah. he's like, "You uh, you got bud?" And <laughs> so they take it and they roll a joint together, and they smoke <laughs> it. And then as they're smoking it, the dude that died pops up in the back seat. And he's just like, like, it's his ghost because they're smoking his weed. Uh, and so they're just like, the fuck is this? And he's just like, he's like, yeah, no, I've been in heaven this whole time. Uh, 
It's like, what, what's up, guys? And he's just like, hey, uh, can you uh, can you help us on this test? So he like gives them <laughs> all the answers to the SAT because he's been in heaven. So he has like all the connections and knows all this shit. <laughs> so they both ace the SATs. So and they're from like inner city. You know, it's two inner city yeah. black dudes. So they get like perfect some, scores. Like perfect scores. So of course the Ivy League schools like Harvard or some shit yeah. was like, hey, we should take it and we should have these guys come in. It's like, well, they're black guys. Well, it'll be great for our, uh, you know, our diversity. Yeah, they get a minority. Uh, whatever, kickback. because you know, like <laughs> every every which rich white school in the early two thousands was trying to cash in on diversity because instead of actually being diverse and allowing people in, they yep. did it just so they wouldn't get in trouble because yep. rich white people. Tax break. Um, because, yeah, because rich white people. Yep. So they let them in full right scholarships. Yeah. And as you can guess, two uh, two black dudes from the inner city go in and uh, raise holy hell and oh, I would like completely overthrow the status quo in this richy school. Yeah. Oh, it's That's it's funny. great, and you know Benjamin Franklin comes in at the end of it, and uh, <laughs> apparently he's a stoner, but. You know, it's oh, it's great. Watch, watch the movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll get into like the. I would do want to do an episode on Victoria, like Victorian morning stuff, because um, I'm only gonna say it's because of cremated remains. My grandma was cremated, and when she was cremated, both my aunts got remains, but my dad did not. And my aunts made what's called mother's jewelry, right? Mm-hmm. It's a little ring with their ashes in it. I've got a necklace with a little pendant with my brother's ashes in it. Yeah. Now, I will ask you this. Do you have a plan in place for those when you die? Um, considering the necklace that yeah. I have him on has a number of different like magical charms and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, but like, when you pass, what's do you have a plan for that? I don't currently. It's going to depend. So it's it's going to depend on a lot of things in my life at that point in time. Yeah, but I'm hoping that when you get to that point, when you are dying, there's a plan in place, right? My aunt's mm-hmm. plans is to give it to the next their children, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, what happens when your children die? My grandmother's not going to end up in some fucking antique store wanting the fuck out of it. You know how many books I've read that this is the case? <laughs> no. Because they're like, well, do you want some? <laughs> and I'm like, I love my grandmother. I've loved my grandmother more than anybody in the world. Right? Mm-hmm. I, however, do not want to be haunted by my grandmother. That's how you get haunted, people. That's, that's how you get haunted. No. No. Also, you just feel sad for me because now you're just like, oh, we left you out. So now you want cremated remains because I have cremated remains. This is all I'm going to say. People, if you make jewelry out of your loved ones, right? If you make cremated remains, there's a wonderful website called Artful Ashes. They'll turn like your dog into glass orbs. It's really cool. It's really cool. However, please have a plan in place for when you pass those things 
do not leave it to your children to figure out what the fuck to do with those things. Because now my weird fear, when everybody in my family starts dying, is what the fuck is going to happen to my grandmother in those rings? Something What'll happen? What'll happen is your great, 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 great grandchild will have one of those rings mm -hmm. and find out that all these other rings have been distributed. So they'll have to go on an epic quest <laughs> to unite all the rings to reestablish the fractured soul of your great great grandmother. You know what? I think I just came up with a. I you just helped me come up with a quest hook for a future D and D game. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that's so... like a real thing to think about, people. Yeah. Like yeah, minor side quests with like the, that movie, but like you have to think about those things. My aunts are just like fucking clueless, and I'm like. This is how your homes get haunted, folks. Yeah, you can also use, you know, obviously with the permission of the deceased, you can use them in ritual works and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, permission. Permission first. And, like, they didn't yes. give my grandma's permission. You can also get them turned into, like, Diamonds and albums. Stuff. I've actually, well, no, I've actually seen, so mm -hmm. you can get them turned into, like, carbon albums. Yeah. And get recordings if you have a recording of the person's voice and get it put on there, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. No, our... I'm, I'm good. <laughs> so, I'm our good. next love... episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh. the next two are all you, homie. Well, I mean, you've had, like, the last 17, so. I've done the last three <laughs> because you did, like, I so know. many in a row. Like, I know. When, we first, I know. when we first started doing this, we're like, oh, we'll train we every like, other one. Back and forth. It nope. has it's not like, happened. Nope. You'll nope. do a couple. I'll do a couple. So I'm getting this too. So the next one we're going to do is going to be fairly wayward. We're going to cover a number of different topics, including, uh, you know, channeling. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about psychopomps. We're going to mm -hmm. talk about thought forms. Yeah. Uh, and that's yeah. going to be interesting because I'm going to break Kelsey's brain with thought forms. Uh, I haven't broken ah. your brain in a while. Maybe. Maybe. Because one of the shows I watch called Dead Files, she talks a lot of times where somebody who is sensitive, and this is my huge fear, right? Is you put your emotions out there in so much force that you create a thought form. Like a poltergeist. Well, yeah, so, but thought forms, thought forms don't necessarily have to be harmful, and that's one of the things we're going to talk yeah. about. They can be, they can actually help protect you and uh, yeah. communicate with your higher self, but they can help protect you uh, and those you love. Uh, there's actually mm -hmm. some popular thought forms that people have used. And um, we're also going to be talking about, like I said, channeling. We're going to be talking about some ancient stuff with uh, shamanism and stuff like that, because they do some ch channeling. Uh, yep. We're, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, <laughs> How it all ties into something from modern day that has, you know, started in the, actually started almost 100 years ago, uh, but cosplay. I can see that. I can see it being yeah, tied. And, yeah, so I'm going to be talking a little about that because, and we'll go into this a little more detail. Um, a lot of the characters that people cosplay technically can be construed as thought forms. 
um, with enough recognition and energy put into it. So we're yeah. going to talk about that. And uh, I have a real fun personal experience with that. Uh, okay. And with involving Dionysus, nonetheless. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, involving okay. Dionysus, nonetheless. Um, yeah. So, okay. so that right. was fun. And then the episode after that, we're going to yeah. hit close to my roots. Yes. And uh, so yeah. to give a little bit away about myself here, um, I was, I grew up, was raised, and most of my family comes from, at least in, within the United States, uh, mm-hmm. the Appalachian. Yep. Yes, it is pronounced Appalachian, not yep. Appalachian. I will nope. fight you physically. Appalachia. Yep. Appalachian. And we'll, we, we'll talk a little bit about that. But yep. uh, <laughs> for those who don't yeah, know, it's, and the, then, it's the mountains on the East Coast of the United yeah. States. So we'll talk yep. a little bit about that, about some uh, geographical significance with that, with the people who settled mm-hmm. here, which is yeah. really interesting. It is. Um, and then uh, we'll talk about some of the folk practices and the culture within mm-hmm. uh, Appalachia and yeah. uh, may possibly have an interview yeah, I'm. Uh, I've reached out to the World Wide Web and uh, yeah. may possibly have someone interested in an interview. Uh, so we'll kind of delve into See. that. And I have six books that I have scheduled to read between now and then, involving that. Yes, <laughs> I have high aspirations. Okay, you do. You read a lot more than I do. I have. <laughs> I have very high aspirations. Yeah. But that's gonna come. <laughs> close up this episode yeah yeah so kelsey's got a bunch to edit out nah i i'm sorry guys but i have a lot of stuff going on so unless there's like (laughs) major fumbling of words um or we get too off into a side quest you get almost exactly what was recorded (laughs) it's not like i've given up but i got a lot going on i gotta start planning a wedding um on a random side note, real fast, what? before we call, close it, I had the what? weirdest fucking thing happen, and it's kind of dis, uh, disconcerting. <laughs> uh, so last week, last weekend, playing D&D online with peeps, I heard yep. a huge thump, and I looked back, like I could see, kind of see a shadow from my window, and Uh-oh. so I couldn't really tell fully what it was. Oh, a fucking, do you know what a chicken hawk is? Those, those bit, they're, um. It's, it's. A, it's a type of hawk. It's, it's yeah, it's a predatorial bird. Yeah, they do they do the swoops. So, oh, a chicken hawk. Like I'm surprised this didn't break my window. A chicken those hawk are big. caught another bird, and they both slammed into my window. And yes, we can go into like the omens there, but <laughs> we're not going to right now. Um, so yeah. to close it yeah. out. So with every episode, I do post pictures. So if you want to join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, we do have a Twitter. I'm more active on Facebook and Instagram at the Wayward Dragons. If you have a story or if you're Appalachian and want to reach out to Johnny, you can reach out to us at thewaywarddragons at gmail.com. Or if there's a topic you think we should cover next, um, we do plan a couple episodes out because we both have super busy lives. And hey, if you're in a, uh, if you're on another podcast or if you know someone who runs their own podcast, 
we'd be interested to link up and collaborate. Yeah. Maybe yeah. do a little crossover. Because I do post on Reddit. If you are on Reddit, that I am the person that you talk to. Um, yeah. So if you want to join us or crossover or stuff. We're not, we're, we're, we're not telling you to crossover. Oh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Sorry, I know guys. my brother. I got to go back. My- <laughs> My brother, so my brother does a podcast about the British Royals, right? My brother does one of those. He does want to like collab once we hit October because it's October and it's spooky season. Yeah, actually, I've got some stuff we could talk about with the occult and the British Royals. We could talk a little bit about Mr. John D. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's way down the line in October once we hit October. So, you'll hit meet my brother and. His his people will meet us, and they'll meet our people and meet him. We'll whatever. have his people but, meet our people. Yeah, yeah. So if, if there's any podcast you think that we should be on, or they should be on us, or a topic, or if you're Appalachian, Appalachian, sorry, um, and want to talk to Johnny, you can email us at thewaywardragons at gmail.com. Because nine times out of ten, if you email us, you'll probably be talking to him. <laughs> He, he, if you're social media, you're interacting with me. Email is that dude. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So until next time, try this again. You can edit the other part out or this part and everything else. Just edit the whole podcast out. Until (laughs) next time, I'm Johnny. And I'm Kelsey. Bye. Bye.